You're listening to The Interview, Australia's flagship business series. In this exclusive program by Ready Media Group, hear from the nation's leading business figures and rich listers who share their remarkable career journeys and the fundamentals required to achieve sustained success. Browse through a comprehensive catalogue of guests and hear unique, inspiring stories from those that have shaped Australia for generations to come. Enjoy the episode and remember to follow us on your preferred podcast app. For more information, visit readymedia.com.au. Well, we're fortunate to have on our podcast series Anthony Lindsay, Director of 13 Commercial here in Adelaide and in South Australia, a prolific and prominent developer and investor here. Before we get into the market and what you and the team are, are up to at the moment, give us a bit of a, an overview of your background, if you could. Yeah, well, I um, always had a strong interest in real estate from when I was really young. I started selling real estate uh, when I was 18 years old for Alloy Real Estate back then. Converted that into Rain and Horn. I bought that business when I was 22 uh, with my partner, Ralph Bacillo, who actually still owns the business. Uh, we changed it over to LJ Hooker in around when I was about 23, 24, uh, which became LJ Hooker Flinders Park, which it still is now. Uh, which, uh, yeah, so my ex-partner, Ralph Pichillo, is still running that. Do- doing extremely well. Um, I think they got well over 1,000 properties in management. So, yeah, that, that, that's where my, my industry started. I, I bought my first home when I was 19 to, in a different story back then, it was 180,000. I think a 10% deposit cut it, so that, that, that made it a life a bit easier. So I started investing, obviously, when I was pretty young. Got Fairmont Homes to build, you know, the old one into two blocks, which I did on that first property. Um, from there, bought two little properties, and, you know, two became four, and so forth. Uh, then I really started to enjoy the development side of, of real estate as opposed to the sales side. And I sold my real estate business when I was 25 and started my construction company. Um, doing just low density uh, residential developments you know just one into two and three and so forth like that one thing led to another and yeah just it, it, it you know over the last 22 years we had a really I mean it, I, I get sometimes the opinion the market can be we came, came from well out of nowhere but it, it's been a really gradual climb into what we're doing and we really have hit most aspects of it all the way through so from the most basic one into two you know here we are now doing what we're doing and why business and why property? I spent a lot of time with my uncle growing up and, and property was his thing and going to auctions and so forth with him and you know, that was generally the discussion at, at the table. So yeah, I, I, I left school fairly young and was driving a truck and I couldn't wait to turn 18 because I had to be 18 to start selling real estate back then. So I pretty much started applying for jobs when I was 18 um, as I was driving a truck and yeah. Got a job in, in Rain and Horn, and then, well, like I said, it was Alloy Real Estate then, the rest was history, so yeah. And so the launch of 13 Commercial, as you said, you had the real estate business, you sold that, obviously, you know, started one into two, then so as it goes on, you know, the, the business gets bigger and bigger, and, and so did the developments, but how has the market evolved over those past 22 years? It's funny, because when I first got into the market, uh, you know, that was early 2000, it was 2002, I bought my first house, somewhere around there. We just missed the first boom. And I remember as a young young lad thinking to myself, oh, you know, how lucky were these guys, you know, property doubled in six or seven years prior to that and, you know, come at the end of it. But we, we kept going and, and gradually, you know, th- those next few years, property grew steadily as well. But it did come to a point 
around that 2012, 13, where you know, nothing moved for a long time. And interest rates were high, probably similar to what they are now. Uh, and that was probably the toughest part of the market from a developing point of view, uh, because you, you weren't getting the capital growth along with the you know, growth out of your development. And that, that made things a bit difficult. But like everything, it swings in roundabouts. And we, we all know the last you know, four years or so, or since COVID hit, what, what it's done to the market. So you know, we're fortunate enough to be part of that. So yeah, I think yeah, you should buy your time and you know, there's that many ups and downs in real estate. Even though Adelaide's always been steady. You know, I, if I had a dollar for every time I had someone regret not buying a property, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> and I can't recall too many times I remember hear people saying that they did regret buying a property. So I think that in itself, in SA, you know, that, 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 that speaks in volumes. What was the focus in those early days? I presume it was uh, residential predominantly. Yep. And then you've moved into commercial, you've moved into industrial. But what were the fundamentals that you're able to learn in those early years that have been able to carry you through? Well, selling real estate for one, I mean, I, and, I, and I've done really well as a, as a young real estate agent. Uh, so doing a lot of transactions, doing multiple different types of negotiation. And we're also doing a lot of leasing in those, in those days as well through my, through my agency. Uh, you know, retail, industrial, commercial. But, you know, I, I always want to get to commercial property, but it took, it took a lot of money, which obviously in those days there I didn't have. So you start in resi and, and you work your way up to commercial. That was definitely the path that was, that was, that was obvious in, in those early days. And it was a slow path. I bought my first serious commercial property, um, which is, everyone pretty much knows about that, in Coates Hire. Uh, bought that in 2009. And, and from there, that, that, that went really well and that grew and off the back of that. We started buying a couple other little bits and pieces of commercial and then we had, our, we had our goal at developing commercial and retail and it went really well for us. Um, I believe I built a really good brand over what I was building and, yeah, we just got a lot of traction. And, and yeah, one thing led to another and, yeah, sometimes you look back and, yeah. As you said, it's, it's always hard to secure the funding, particularly for, for commercial projects. How did you go about securing an amount to be able to uh, acquire those assets? Early on it was really difficult, um, but with the, with the capital growth is really what helped us. And you know, we, we leveraged at that time, so we were really good at paying down debt. Uh, we never took any dividends, so everything that we did that, that did come out of the properties went straight against the property. So while reducing debt, and then the market started to grow, so that you, know, you get that twofold, that, that equity, and then off the back of that, we, we, we started to borrow the equity from the original properties that we owned to buy the land and get the money for, for the actual development funding, which started off really small. I think that the first commercial development I did again was two, two, two little warehouses. The second one was three little warehouses and, and that type of thing. So it wasn't, you know, it was a really slow, slow burn. Um, you know, we sold them, we leased them, we did all sorts of things to keep the cash flow going. Uh, to put us in a position to start doing bigger developments as, as we have done in the last five, six, seven years. How different is it developing commercial property as opposed to developing residential property? It's extremely different. Uh, I find it a lot more enjoyable. Um, I think the, the, the biggest difference is in it's... Because, the, the, because generally in the size of development that we've been doing, the, the sum is, is always a lot larger, and that goes for us as well as the trade. So the trade that are, that are on site... Uh, you know, they've got a lot of money at stake too, so they'll take that extremely seriously. Um, and, you, and you really get a lot of their attention. And, and most of the trade that work for us, uh, you know, we are predominantly their, their biggest builder. 
so that makes life a little bit easier for us. I've been fantastic. And I think that's the thing, the dollar value gains the respect and attention of everyone on site a lot more than when they're running out of houses doing you know, smaller jobs, but they can get, get pushed back a little bit perhaps. And then walk us through your first serious uh, commercial development, the shopping centre in Hendon. How did it come about and what was the outcome? Yeah, we saw the land. The land was for sale for four or five years, I think. Could, no one could get it over the line. And, you know, I, I, I grew up in the Hendon area, so I, I knew what, what, what was lacking and I had a big, big belief in what, what could go there. Drakes were down the road. Were doing a really, really good trade, and I, I knew that they were trading well, uh, or as well as they could for the size of store they had and have. Um, so that, that you know, I, I knew there was a gap in that market. Buying that property was difficult. Uh, the agent didn't want to deal with the vendor, so actually drove out to Victor Harbour, I think six days straight with the, with, the, with the vendor at the time, trying to get a deal over the line. Uh, ended up having to buy the business that was running in there, which was store local. So I bought the property and the business through store local. When they found out, they had a first try to refusal, so they, 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 they summons us to court as well as a vendor, and <laughs> that proved to be another dilemma, but we you know, obviously got through that. Um, yeah, so we, we secured the property. Didn't take long to then, to then secure the, to the anchor tenant, which was Romeo's Foodland, who have you know, done an absolutely fantastic job down there. Uh, so once we secured the, the Romeo's Foodland, with you know, a big thanks to Oli Tatani, had, had, had a big hand in, in doing that early with us. Uh, and then Chet from Sables secured Night Frank, oh sorry, secured Hungry Jacks and KFC shortly after. And once, once the three anchors were in there, um, it, it was go time. Um, so as far as the council, City of, City of Charles Sturt were actually fantastic throughout the development. They gave us a lot of support and got it through quickly. And then once we had those, those three anchors down, we went to go see Leadwell, who, in my opinion, are, are probably the, the best at that retail space. Uh, John Saber had a big say in, you know, how to rearrange a few things, which I think, you know, helped me in a great, great deal. And then, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Quran and Cinnamon did the, did the rest of the leasing down there. Got a great tenancy mix. Uh, yeah, we couldn't have been happier. Walk us through the last sort of four or five years where the business has really grown and diversified, You obviously in residential, commercial, industrial, retail and, and build to rent, which we'll get through into shortly. But just walk us through that journey over the past five years. Yes, yeah, so I had a, I had a, uh, had a building company with my ex-partner, Paul Mazzarino, at Boston Building. It was a retail, retail building company. So we did a lot of work for uh, the government um, as well as disability homes and things like that. And obviously a lot of medium density developments for other developers. So we worked in there, we were partners for over, over 10 years. Uh, we, had a, you know, we, we grew that from, from scratch again to a, to a decent sized business, uh, similar to what Ralph did. Paul bought me out a few years ago when my development started getting bigger and I wanted to focus on that. So yeah, so, so that Paul still ran that business there and glad to say that both Paul, Ralph and I were all still great friends, which is important to me. Um, but yeah, so we moved on to focus on my development uh, obviously big enough by then to, to solely do that. And yeah, it was, it was a big, big step, big decision to make. But at the time we, were, we, had, we had some big projects in the pipeline to start. So we, yeah, we, we went off and we started doing a lot of industrial developments through Royal Park, Paraka, Salisbury, North Haven uh, that we had in the pipeline to go. I put all my ducks in a row and the day 13 commercial started, we turned around, I think we had 20, 
slabs in the ground for warehousing that first three months. Um, they, they finished accordingly where, where about the shopping centre was starting and, and, and all, all those things came after that. Amazing level of growth. Talk me through some of the assets that you've got uh, underway at the moment. Yes, under construction. We're doing a lot of them and everyone knows there's a, there's a massive rental shortage, crisis as, as they call it. So we're doing a lot of uh, build to rent, doing about probably oh, 60 odd apartments under construction at the moment. We've probably about another 70 in the pipeline to start soon after they finish. Uh, and as you can imagine, the interest in those affordable rental properties has been unbelievable. We actually did, so we're doing 28 in, in Flinders Park. We did, stage one was nine, stage two was 19. That's not very good math there, was it? <laughs> Sorry, 27. Um, yeah, and so that we're, we're doing that. We had unbelievable interest from the, from real estates ringing us to try and house people. Um, which was unbelievable. I've never seen people try and rent properties under construction. Hmm. Now, now, I've been around 22 years, I've never seen that. And that, that, was, that was just going well. There was no point, we wanted to finish first. Uh, in the end, we actually done an agreement with Defence Housing. So Defence Housing then took, took, took all 19 out in that second lot, which worked really well. And obviously we we're really proud to be, to be part of helping Defence Housing. It's obviously extremely important. But the rest of them that we were doing through Kidman Park, Christie Downs, Flinders Park, uh, yeah, the interest in them is, is unbelievable. And I think the hardest part of it is saying no to the people that are desperately trying to get in. Uh, the business model was based around trying to build affordable rental properties in areas where people live and no, no longer can afford to live. So they're brand new walk-up flats uh, of, of, of a good quality. But for example, Flinders Park, I think they're renting it around $500 a week and the, the average rental property in, in Flinders Park sitting around 640 So to be able to keep the younger people and, and the, in that area is fantastic. And, and like I said, in every suburb we've done it, the amount of applications we've had is, it's, it's actually scary to think, you know, if all the, where are all these people are actually going to go? Because you look around, obviously there's nothing for rent. So it's a, it's a model that we're working on, getting better every time. Um, we've got, like I said, we've got another probably 70 odd in the pipeline to start in the first quarter of next year um, through uh, all, all sorts of suburbs. But yeah, so we're working really hard, hard on that. Uh, we're doing some retail and childcare at the moment as well, um, which, which has been good, where we've got a mixture of government tenancies, local tenancies, and obviously national tenant for childcare, and a lot of retail work as well. So re we're doing some work where we're doing retail and residential mix throughout the Western suburbs, which uh, there's not a lot of, and, and yeah, that's proven to go really well. All, all of the commercial and retail spaces have all been pre-committed. When you're acquiring a site, what do, you, what do you look for? What are the fundamentals that you look for? I think the main thing, obviously, is location, zoning, and price point. I, I do develop in, in areas that I believe I know extremely well, hence why the majority of my development is, is sort of close to home to me, um, knowing what the market needs. I mean, I, I, I've been in real estate for a long time, and there was a big, you know, a lot of that when they were, you know, 10, 10 years ago, leasing out warehousing were really difficult. Whereas today I would, I would get, you know, three, four phone calls a week of people just ringing me, you know, Lindsay, you got a warehouse or a space here? We don't have a square metre free. Um, and, and when we do have them free, very rarely hits the market. So the scarcity of industrial warehousing at the moment is, is uncanny, even though there's so much of it getting built. 
uh, yeah, it, it's still not really sufficing the need in the marketplace. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, if this holds up, uh, it's going to be an interesting next few years. I, I think the market's going to go from strength to strength, purely based on supply and demand. Uh, they're talking about you know, increasing population and all those types of things. We, we, we can't house or, or facilitate what we've currently got. Uh, I was at a CBA boardroom lunch last week, and they said that by 27, there's going to be 170,000 homes short in, in Australia. It's a big so number. That's a big number. Mm. That's a big number. Uh, and I think the councils really need to have a look at that um, in, in their processes around planning and DA approval because, you know, we've got stuff sitting around in planning for, you know, months, if not a couple of years, on the smallest little points that they're, they're arguing about where we could be out there building, building homes to house people and building warehouses to house businesses. So I think that, that, that's one thing that, that South Australia really needs to get right. How they do that, I don't really know, but that, that, that's a big issue. Have you been able to navigate uh, the construction cost challenges over the last sort of 12 to 18 months in particular, and are you sensing any stability there now? It's been extremely difficult. We definitely got hit with those construction cost increases, as everybody did. The good news for 13 was everything we were developing was, again, for, for ourselves, and whilst construction costs were increasing, so were property prices, so... It was a way to wear it. I think the people that obviously got most hurt, and I think it was extremely unfair uh, for the builders that ha had fixed price contracts with people that had been ongoing and, and they had to hold through that process. And yeah, that they got hit hard. And, and I think that that was really unfair, that there probably should have been fair ways to, to navigate through that um, for the retail sector. But yeah, it definitely, construction costs definitely went through the roof. I do think they're starting to steady. Um, and when I say steady, you know, they'll still have their, you know, if history before, before the big hit was, you know, probably 5 to 7% annual increases, which is obviously fine and relative, probably in line with CPI at the moment anyway. So that's fine. But I think that that's probably where that's going to sit. Walk us through the, the lending or funding environment at the moment. Who's got the appetite and, and where are you predominantly being able to get funds through? So we bank predominantly with uh, CBA and, and NAB for their development properties. Uh, Bankers, they also do some work for us. Their appetite is definitely there. They all want to be in, in the commercial space, especially the industrial space. Um, in the old days, the LVR was a tough one to get over the line with the banks, but now it, it's all about ICR. And, and with the interest rates being so high, that can prove, that can prove really difficult. The income compared to where the ratios are sometimes don't, don't work out the way the bank wants them at 1.5. Uh, and because they're forecasting higher higher rates to come forward, that's that's where they're using their, their BBSY at, not, not today's rate. So that, that can prove a little bit difficult uh, in some developments. But and, and that's hard because, you know, when it was LVR, you know, if you had it or you've got equity, you can always throw your equity behind it and other things behind it, whereas ICR is really difficult. Uh, so that, that, that's one, one area that you need to be really you know, conscious of. And when we're working through our figures prior to speaking to the bank, we know what they're going to ask for, we know how their formula works, so we make sure we tick that box, um, because if you can't tick that box, there's really no point in, in trying to go down that track. Coming back to current market dynamics, as I mentioned, you're in all of the sectors. Which of the sectors are you most bullish on at the moment? You mentioned that you'd recently acquired some assets in childcare and healthcare. Is that something that you see long-term growth in? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Trial has always been a consistent consistent market, but I mean, we don't do a lot of it. I think it's the first one we've done in a few years. Um, the industrial space at the moment is is just fantastic, really. The problem with the industrial space at the moment is the land price has gone up yeah, very quickly where, personally, a lot of the deals that are happening, I, I don't see how they stack, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but if you can't get them stacked, then the, the appetite for leasing and or sale is, is huge. Um, we are about to build another shopping centre in the inner north of Adelaide, which we're really excited about, and, and, and we're already talking to the anchors and so forth on that property, but, and the appetite there has been overwhelming. Uh, and when you do have a choice of, of major anchors, uh, you know, th- that just goes to show how strong that market is also in areas that, that are quite underserviced or where the service is getting a bit old and outdated. I mean, everyone likes nice, flashy things today. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to renovate some of those old, older, older retail properties. So when there's an opportunity, which are few and far between, to get a, a new retail outlet out there, um, as we saw at the new DFO, which is going absolutely fantastic. And I think that development was done extremely well, so well done. But, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, even in the retail market, it, it is a really, really strong demand for that as well in the right location with the right design. When you're developing a, a retail asset specifically, how challenging is it you're developing a shopping centre? What do, you, what do you need to do to make an asset like that work? Yeah, I think it's really important. Access is extremely important. Uh, I think visually that this shopping centre needs to be extremely attractive. Uh, we take great pride in what we do. Uh, I think Hendon Central look, looks fantastic from, from a street view, which is extremely inviting. Um, but I think the most important thing is getting the right mix of tenancy. Uh, you know, so often you see, you know, decent anchors surrounded by, you know, 60% food outlets, which is not, not, not what you want to see. I, I think getting that mixture right, that you get people coming there to do multiple, mul- multiple degrees of, of shopping is what's really important to the centre. And yeah, definitely the access. Walk us through the, the evolution of, of the brand in particular over recent years. How have you been able to build a brand that's so recognisable in the market? I mean, obviously you've got the relationships and we'll get to that shortly, but how important is it to build that brand in the marketplace that's trusted? Oh, it's extremely important, uh, especially for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the sole owner and director along with my wife in, in 13. Uh, so whatever we do, it's not always cost-driven. Uh, if a few things, there's going to be a few extra blowouts in cost to make sure, one, the project's done correctly, and two, um, visually looking fantastic. And that, that's what I think's done, what set us apart. I think that, you know, we, we really do present extremely well in everything that we do. Um, and whether that goes from, from my shopping centres to, to warehousing or childcare, I'm, I'm, regardless if the tenant requires, needs it, we're happy to go to that extra step and make sure that, that it looks extremely inviting for whatever business they're doing. So long term, where do you see the growth in Adelaide? I actually think there's going to be growth right across Adelaide. Uh, you know, we touched on population before, and I think just given the population alone and the fact that we're extremely underserviced in most areas, uh, that, that there's no choice but, but for growth. They need a release to make it a bit easier to do high-density projects throughout Adelaide. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I mean, the industrial market's obviously taken off and, you know, that's, all, that's well covered. But like I said as well, I mean, even the retail, retail is still, still fairly underserviced um, in, in, a, in a lot of areas. I mean, the service is there, but it's not up to the expectations of what people expect today. In 22 years, you've been in business, in, in this business for building it. What is the, the next evolution of it 
look like? Where do you want to scale it to? Uh, mate, you could ask Ian. I, I, I'm not a planner. Um, I never really have been. Uh, sort of just property's funny. It's hard, it's hard to plan. You, you can't say, oh, next year I want to do this or that because when the opportunity comes, you need to be ready. And sometimes those opportunities come sooner than you'd like or sooner than you'd expect. But when they're there, you've definitely got to take them. So, uh, like I said, moving forward, our book for the next five years, we know exactly what we'll be doing in the next five years as far as development and construction goes. Uh, what we pick up along the way, we just we really don't know. Key lessons for success in business. What have you learned along the journey? Jeez, I've learned a lot of lessons along the journey. <laughs> don't bite off more than you can chew. That's probably the first one, uh, which all us developers are pretty good at. Uh, but I think, mate, you just got to know your product, know where you want it to sit. You need to see it before you build it. Um, you know, they're, they're things that are really important. I, I, I see people all the time, mum and dad developers trying to come into the market and do this and do that. And, and you know, with all due respect, they really don't understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, so I think, I think the main lesson I've learned in business is, is do what you know. Uh, and we do do what we know. We get opportunities to do all sorts of different developments that we don't do. I'm fully aware that they're outside of my capabilities and happy to walk away. Uh, like, like I was saying, you know, everything we've spoken about of what I'm building or what I've built, right, it, it, it stops at ground on the first floor. Uh, why? Because I don't, I don't understand that second market well enough to go and do it. I'm not, not willing to risk it all to, to try and achieve that. So, yeah, I, th- I think doing what you know, that, that's the most important thing. Clearly, you've built strong relationships right across the market. What have been the keys that have been able to allow that to, to, to happen? Yeah, I think I mean, we, we transact a lot. Um, so I think that makes it a lot easier for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those guys who, who doesn't sell, you know, never sells anything. You know, we buy and sell all the time. So, you know, we're buying and selling all the time. We're obviously leasing all the time. So it really invites agents into your life on, on you know, every day, really. Uh, and because we do a, a range of different type of development, you're really mixing with everyone. I mean, you know, we, we've got shops in Woodcroft that, you know, the lowest tenancy there is probably $8,000 a year for what they're leasing, you know, all, all the way up to, you know, huge amounts of money so by doing being as diverse as what we are you're just dealing with with everybody and and i love it because you get to deal with the agents that are just coming in as well that start at that point and and you get to see them grow from from there to to getting where they are i mean i know i I can say when i first met karan he just got into the industry Uh, i thought you know i thought this guy's gonna have a really big future and definitely proved me right and just seeing other agents involved in their careers as well which has probably been you know fantastic and whether you're working with tenants uh, in commercial assets or increasingly now with your retail holdings, how do you build lasting partnerships and relationships with, with some of those tenants? Oh, you know, it's got to have fun, that's number one. Uh, look, just be honest with them. Get the job done. Do what you say. It's not really that hard. Uh, I, I like to think we're pretty easy to get along with. You know, we make decisions quickly. Uh, you know, and, and once you've made that decision, whether it be right, wrong or otherwise, then, then you, you've got to go with it. And I think you do that long enough, then those relationships tend to, tend to last a long time. Final question, what does the, the future look like? I think it's going to be interesting. I think uh, funding is not easy, as, as we touched on. Um, so between funding not being easy for developers, along with approvals taking a long time, that there's going to be a really strong demand for whatever is getting built, because the, the reality is there's not enough being built. Uh, and, I, and that's not going to go away. And that's in every sector. 
you, you don't, you know, there's not a housing crisis because there's a population shortage. So the more people we're bringing in, the more people trying to house, that obviously strengthens every area of commercial retail property. Anthony Lindsay, Director of 13 Commercial, appreciate your time and your insights. Thanks.